Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? I'm just uh, snorting lines of Benadryl, <coughs> getting ready for seasonology season. <laughs> uh, we were just talking uh, off here about, yeah. about what, what, what exactly were you trying to tell me? Something about uh, COVID and allergies? Well, no, I, I don't, I don't, I, who knows, like, if there's any scientific basis to this, but I don't know. I, I feel like I've only started uh, developing them in the last, like, two, three years since COVID times. So I don't know, like, you know, <laughs> I mean, the thing they say about COVID, like, is, like, it, it, there's so many little things that affects that we, like, don't even really know about yet. Like, the, I just read a report the other day about how, like, it, it there's, like, a long-term lasting ocular damage that can be caused by certain cases of COVID and, like, the... It, it's just like a real weird fucking virus where like you don't know what it actually uh causes but i've noticed my seasonal allergies a lot more in the last like three years than i've ever had before so who fucking knows what, what year like. of the pandemic are we on now are we on year three i mean technically yeah i mean technically this we're, <laughs> we're, we're we're in we're into year three i mean if it really was started you know in earnest in march 2020 here so you know we're past march 2022 so we're into year three um oh man yeah, like, it feels like a fucking eternity COVID's but... old enough to walk and talk now that's amazing <laughs> it's gonna be um, we're gonna have to fucking enroll covid for pre-k pretty soon <laughs> <laughs> but also like who knows if like taking your like having a mask on more frequently makes you more aware when you take it off of like all of just the common you know dander and shit that you breathe in and also the fact that like none of the air in this country unless you live in like the fucking mountains is uh like up to actual like acceptable breathing standards like based on you know that was actually one of the things i don't know if you read the ip uh, ipcc report that came out this week um but that was one of icp the... sorry <laughs> you're right <laughs> you know at the gathering of the juggalos they released the annual climate <laughs> report this year um no i'm a fan of the politics but just not you know <laughs> music you know they're funny whatever yeah right, sorry go ahead it. The, the IPCC, you know, the big, the big, you know, group of climate scientists, they released their climate report and they mentioned, I, I forget the stat, but it was something like 80% of all, you know, like breathable, like breathable air doesn't meet air quality standards in, in, in the world, you know, at this, at this point. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just great. All the shit we're just huffing in constantly. Oh, and they also said we have about eight years to, you know, basically get to the point where we could stop the 1.5 degree celsius rise in global seawater uh, seawater temperature which would be just you know absolute climate catastrophe within our lifetimes if we don't I mean, stop it. they've been saying but, that but for it, 40 years though it's it's like we're already living through the the fucking the shit that they well, I, it, that right but it's through. it's like we're, we're 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 continuing to compound it i mean they're still like all right well you know really like guys like <laughs> you know re- reverse this by like 80 percent like the amount of carbon you put out in the next eight years or we're going to be in for a really fucking shitty time in the next 30 40 years or so <laughs> more so than we already are but um so i read the, the other day that make- uh to to make the 1000 pound battery in every tesla and basically every other electric car so i mean that's like the lightest battery 1000 pounds right uh requires excavation of about 500,000 pounds of earth to get to the mineral oh. to make that battery lovely I mean, you've seen like the pits from the where where they mine the fucking right. lithium, the other things to to get that they need for these batteries, and it's like just a giant fucking sinkhole that they have to create, you know, this pockmark, and it probably, like you said, only makes like a couple of batteries, like that 
giant excavation. Do you know how much carbon is emitted by the excavator machines to dig up half a million pounds of earth to make one battery? I don't. I can only imagine. It's quite quite a bit. The the idea that we're going to solve the climate crisis by making electric cars is maybe the most infuriating thing that I try not to think about on a daily basis, but it's just, it's, it's, that's how right. Democrats are approaching. <laughs> right. This. And fucking, you know, speaking of Tesla, though, while we're on the subject, <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm sure everyone listening is, is, is keenly aware. Elon Musk. Uh, oh, yeah. T- Tesla was, bought Twitter. Yeah. He fucking, he bought like a controlling <laughs> share basically of Twitter. He has more, uh, Twitter stocks than even Jack Dorsey does. Jack Dorsey only has about 2.2% of Twitter stocks. Elon Musk now owns 9% of all Twitter shares. And they immediately uh, offered him a seat at the board. Isn't that well, amazing? The, right, it's amazing. Like, and their press statement was hilarious because they were like, oh, it, it turns out he was a perfect fit for our board. Like, oh, right. isn't it funny how the richest guy on earth is always the perfect fit for the board of every university and nonprofit and fucking banking institution and offshore tax haven like it's it's always the richest guy is the perfect fit for the board you know, they're, they're just smarter than all of us that's what it is i think they're just they're just that much better at everything so they we, just we understand really the right direction the board needs to move in with the you know 30 billion dollars they have in their checking account <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it, it's just it, it's unbelievable but yeah so he now controls a uh a, he that's he's the largest shareholder 9.2 percent is like the most anyone owns so he essentially can can force twitter to do whatever he wants because he has the most votes he now. better force twitter to give trump his twitter account back because uh, purely the one good thing he could do right so i stumbled upon this hashtag a couple of weeks ago called dark maga hashtag dark maga and it is the most incomprehensible mix of like leftist trolls and like actual right wingers <laughs> just like it, it, it you i showed it to you it, it makes right. no fucking it, sense it's, <laughs> it's like i think it's like it's it's a bunch of like anarchist accelerationists were like yes let's get trump elected again because it'll make the world so much fucking shittier and it'll give it like more we'll have more riots that way basically is all i can gather from it but then just like a bunch of right wingers also globbed onto it you know like the the conservatives identifying with the villain again right wingers who or like, no, and the Punisher is a good thing. And like, let's burn down the planet and let's, you know, let's roll coal. Let's fucking, you know, like kill the entire ecosystem of the oceans as quickly as possible for the LOLs, right? Like it, right. it just, it's that kind of, so yeah, dark maga, look it up. It's crazy. But um, yeah, <laughs> that is the one good thing he could do with, with his power is to just reinstate Trump's. I mean, I don't think any time in in recent history was i more sad that he didn't have his twitter than during the will smith slap debacle because i can only imagine what he would have fucking tweeted now that he's a private citizen again about the fucking the will smith chris rock i, just, I, I, I just, feel like it would have been I so amusing. he would have rt'd oj simpson <laughs> right oh man what he said oj simpson finger wagging at will smith is making <laughs> Maybe like the most 1990s <laughs> cultural moment that we're lucky enough to get to experience. Um, right. We can't. We can't condone that kind of violence. Says O.J. Simpson. Like, really. 
Seriously. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. But um, no, yeah, so fuck Elon Musk. But that's, yeah, that, that so that, that site's going to become unusable in the next six months. I mean, he's already running Twitter polls with his fucking base of, of you know, uh, sycophants uh, about, you know, if Twitter features and things like that. So I can only imagine how bad Twitter is going to become uh, in the next six months. So let's let's hope there's like an actual fucking usable uh alternative that develops and watch he brings another... bl- he, he's gonna bring back fleets <laughs> oh yeah no that for sure for sure <laughs> you know because oh, every man. every fucking social thing has to be the same as facebook and instagram right so it's just... fleets was good for one day let's be real the last day that fleets existed was the only time it was good i didn't even know what the fuck <laughs> the, the real was. ones know the real ones know what months. i mean and it doesn't show up on a web browser it only showed up on um on fucking uh on, on the mobile app for twitter so i would just i would like see it and be like what the fuck is that and i'm like oh god this is like everything it has to be snapchat now really i don't yeah. care and, i mean instagram does that too with the fucking uh like the story that goes away after you know a day but like yeah it, it's just yeah, not it, what twitter's it, you there know for. who you know who who's fucking little stories i see like that is like all of my exes that's all it is right. it's all my fucking exes and it's just like i don't care why are you showing me this and it's like why is it only women and why is it only my exes that are showing up in this thing right <laughs> like i'm glad they're happy i'm glad you're making food glad you went on a vacation but like i i don't that like why do i even have this fucking app <laughs> right right exactly um yeah, well, you know, in good news though, in, in in you know, sticking thumbs in billionaires' eyes, uh, Jeff Bezos took a real big hit this week because uh, Amazon uh, officially won their first union vote in the, the Amazon warehouse in uh, was it Staten Island, I believe. It was in New York, um, and they won their first union vote. Uh, you know, despite the fact that Amazon did everything they could, they threw like four point three million to stop the vote uh you know to stop the union unionization effort in this one amazon warehouse um and this is i believe the same warehouse that had voted uh what, back in december i think it was or November, what it, you know months ago and that was the one where they found that uh amazon had illegally tampered with the uh votes and it installed like a a fucking UP, a usps box no in that was an entirely different state an entirely different store that was done in alabama what the they no this the, but this was a revote because they had fucked with the fir- I mean they fuck with every unionization attempt in in, in their warehouses but they this was like a revote because they had, had fucked with the first attempt at you know they were found to be interfering with the first attempt at unionization I think in this one but this was the uh uh fuck what was it the JFK warehouse I it, it was but what I forget JFK the actual 8. name of the warehouse <clears throat> right JFK eight so um the largest in New York City. Right. And they, they, you know, won the unionization vote pretty uh, handedly. I forgot what the final count was, but it was, you know, I think it was like something like 2000 to 1500. It, it was, it was not a small margin. And um, it, it was, it was know. actually closer. It was like about 2600 to 2400, which. Okay. So I was, that, that was an early count. You know, I mean, in America, if you get, <laughs> you know, if you win by any more than two or 3% in America, that's a landslide, but. Right. You know, it, it's it's very telling um, the things that Amazon has done and said uh, to try to stop this. Um, I have a little bit I wanted to read here um, because Amazon is not content with just busting the union. They now want to bust the National Labor Relations Board. Uh, oh. 
headline here. Amazon disappointed with union vote may file objection based on undue influence by NLRB. <laughs> Amazon issued a response Friday following the results of a historic unionization effort at an Amazon warehouse facility in Staten Island, New York, where employees voted 2,654 to 2,131. A little bit bigger margin than I thought it was. To join the Amazon Labor Union. An organized an organization led by former a former employee who was fired after leading a walkout over COVID nineteen work conditions at the facility. Yeah, so they fired him because uh, they said he wasn't wearing a mask, but he was uh, like they were doing a walkout, a strike based on Amazon's lack of COVID protections. Right. So right. they suddenly decide that, oh, COVID protections are really important when it's time to figure out how to fire the head of the union. Which effort. which is total horseshit, by the way, because he's like actually more careful than most people I've seen. Like he's almost always wearing a mask, even when they do outdoor, you know, rallies. Like he's a very, you know, COVID conscious person. So I'm sure yeah, that I mean, Starbucks is doing the same thing. This is this is the thing is like, you, yes, you may win the union and now they can't get rid of the union because you voted for it. But they will fire every single person who formed the union as retaliation. They will, of course. they will find any fucking reason. This happened at a call center I used to work at. Uh, exact same fucking thing. Like, yes, we'll, we'll we'll let new employees, you know, get hired, and yes, they'll be part of the union. But the people who did the work to fight for that union, you're all going to lose your job. That's just the way right. it's going to be. Right. So Amazon quoted here, we're disappointed with the outcome of the election in Stanton Island because we believe having a direct relationship with the company is best for our employees. Amazon said in a statement, Quote, we're evaluating our options, including filing objections based on the inappropriate and undue influence by the NLRB that we and others, including the National Retail Federation and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, witnessed in this election. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I, I, it's like a business saying, like, I'm going to file uh, an, a, a countersuit about uh, you know, all these upgrades I was forced to make in my uh, factory because of the undue influence of OSHA when they came in for their inspection. Like, that's what the fucking NLRB exists for is to fucking support we have labor to, rights. We can't lock our doors and we have to maintain uh, fire escapes after 100 people burned to death in New York City. Uh, right. We're, we're going to sue the fire department. Sorry, but right. that's exactly that's completely ridiculous. <laughs> so this is this just it gets more insane when you keep reading about this because Amazon this is another headline. Amazon hired an influential Democratic pollster to fight mm -hmm. Staten Island Union Drive. Just just the fact that like a polling agency, you're a company that does polling, also does consulting and lobbying and union busting. So Amazon hired Global Strategy Group, an influential Democratic polling firm, to fight unionizing efforts on New York, Staten Island. The firm created anti-union materials on behalf of Amazon to discourage workers at several Staten Island warehouses from unionizing. Uh, the vote of Amazon's largest uh, fulfillment center on... Okay, that's a bullet point I don't need. Um, so, uh, yeah, Global Strategy Group, GSG employees have also been monitoring the social media accounts of Amazon labor union organizers, uh, said the un or unnamed source they used for this article, who asked not to be named union confidentiality. ALU is a fledgling organization made up of blah, 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 JFK, eight workers. You get it. So, yeah, uh, Democratic polling agency hired to union bust and spy on the personal social media accounts 
of the people that are trying to form this union. Yeah, which is why my fucking Twitter is locked, and it will stay locked for the <laughs> immediate future until I actually get a foothold at my new job, because this is literally the shit you have to worry about now, is that people will fucking spy on your social media accounts and then penalize you in your in your life because of opinions that you have on fucking you know labor issues or on world issues it, it, it's fucking psychotic that they're even able to do this legally and get I, away with you it you just but. gotta change your twitter handle and you know wait six months for it to totally be scrubbed from <coughs> right people. i mean that's that's what it is ultimately is you just gotta wait for it but that's the problem is it fucking lingers but um you, you just can't no. do anything uh you know it, it remotely radical or in the interest of the working class and have social media accounts with your actual legal name you just right. can't because somebody and, and is going to hope- get it and they are going to go after you they're going to go into your personal life they're going to dig up every fucking thing they can find about you online and you know especially if it's a giant fucking corporation with billions of dollars that can hire a bunch of people to just sit around all day trying to ruin your life right and that's exactly what, what they will try to do with every single person who voted for this union and every single person who might vote for a union in the future. And good thing a vindictive right-wing prick like Elon Musk just bought the controlling share in Twitter. Cause I'm sure he won't use that for nefarious purposes. Cause like when you sign up for these sites, you use your real you know name or it's connected to your real phone number. There's information that could tie back to your real identity. So it's only a matter of time before Jeff Bezos or another, you know, billionaire who owns a mega corporation buys one of these simply just to spy on their employees and potential employees and et cetera um, for, for basically, you know, basically to run through an algorithm to see if there's somebody that they need to worry about in terms of unionization. And that's how uh, I'm sure all employment in the future with these mega corporations will be determined is whether or not you are a threat to be somebody who is like, you know, a labor-minded uh, thinker and somebody that could be a threat for unionization or even a yes vote in a union in the future. I'm sure that that's going to become a thing. Uh, so we have that to look forward to. That'll be fun. Um, but I actually have a video here from uh, it's 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 a news report. It's a you know independent news report about the Amazon union. Um, independent success. media. Don't you mean China state affiliated media? <laughs> <laughs> right exactly um i don't I, you know it, i don't this i've never even heard of this outlet some american you know indie uh outlet but yes all independent media is illegitimate in the eyes so of uh, putin propaganda States. basically what you're gonna right exactly right now. exactly gotcha okay so the then the opening voice you'll hear in this clip is christian smalls who is that labor organizer who um was fired by amazon for bullshit reasons and is now you know repeatedly just just slapping the shit out of jeff bezos in public on a daily basis which is amazing i fucking love this guy he's got a ton of like 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 organizing charisma like he's really a perfect the perfect kind of guy for this because he doesn't seem polished he's not like a you know he just seems like a guy like a real guy but he knows what to say I, he, I just think he's perfect as a labor organizer for that you know for that purpose so going forward i really hope he fucking takes his act on the road with all the other Amazon. Units. Cool. Let her roll. Yeah. Here's the clip from that. Oh, we want to thank Jeff Bezos for going to space because when he was up there, we were signing people up. Yeah, we were signing Jeff Bezos. On Friday, Amazon workers in Staten Island voted to form the first unionized Amazon warehouse in the country. 
Given that Amazon is the fifth largest corporation in the world, the significance of this victory really can't be overstated. This most recent push for an Amazon union was catalyzed by the pandemic, when Amazon tried to force workers to continue working amid a shortage of masks and PPE, as well as hospital beds and staff. Amazon workers organized a walkout in response, which led to Amazon firing one of the lead organizers, Chris Smalls. During the pandemic, Amazon workers were pushed into overdrive to meet the massive swell in online shopping. Despite generating record profits for Amazon during this period, Amazon workers reaped none of the benefit, working under conditions designed to squeeze every last drop of labor out of the Amazon workforce. I was getting write-ups for like stepping away from my station for a certain amount of time. Um, I would get write-ups for checking something quick on my phone if it was an emergency. I used to think it was a black and brown issue, but people of all colors and all backgrounds go through the same harsh, excruciating treatment. We get 15-minute breaks during our shift. By the time you get to the break room and you, and you manage, if you want to get food from the vending machine, by the time you sit down, most of the break is gone. You get maybe two to three minutes to actually rest before you have to get back on your feet. Um, I've seen people literally unable to tie their shoes because their feet are swollen from having been on their feet for 12 hours. The managers come around and they go, like, it's time to get back to work, hurry up, more productivity, and then they, they temper it by trying to say, oh, I love you, though, I love you. When Amazon got wind of the union effort, instead of addressing the grievances raised by the union, Amazon attacked it by attempting to paint the union drive as an effort being driven by nefarious outside actors and not the workers themselves. They'll put anti-union posts all over the warehouse. What do they say? They'll say, um, your vote, your vote, your choice, vote no. Now, mind you, like, if it's, if it's their vote, their choice, why would you persuade others to vote no? Um, they'll say um, Amazon is a third party, get the facts or whatever it is. They do not represent Amazon. But that goes to show in reality, the union busters, they don't represent Amazon. They don't represent the workers. They're, they're paid thousands of dollars a day, almost close to a million, to spread lies and misinformation to employees about us union. So, yeah. The Amazon labor union insisted that this was only the beginning of their fight and that they would continue organizing workers at the LDJ5 warehouse next Monday. Jeff Bezos, bosses at Amazon, you cannot bully your workers anymore. We are not taking it anymore. We are taking back the profits that we make for you, and we're going to take our fair share, and you're going to treat us right, or we're going to shut down those warehouses, and you're not going to see a penny. Damn, who was that at the end there? Those were all just employees. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, I, just, I wonder if the video, clip but, had her had her name. Um, it, it probably did. I'll, I'll go back and check. But yeah, she, yeah. I mean, and again, this is like this is workers everywhere. Like you know, are all fundamentally understand these things. But until you have that organ, you know, that organizing effort, that union organizing effort, coming there and like reaffirming those rights to you, I feel like a lot of people you know, don't think that that applies to them. They're like, oh, well, I guess it's not that bad where I work. You know, they, uh, they, they don't pay that bad. Like, it's just, you no, know, we're all underpaid. Everybody's underpaid. Everybody's overworked. We're all working to put money into the pockets of the people that own the fucking companies that we work for. And it's fucking horseshit. Like it's, it, the, our entire labor system is built upon horseshit. Um, and people that had generational wealth that they were able to, then funnel into ownership so that they can then take advantage of and exploit and underpay workers. Like that's the way that capitalism has, has devised, you know, our, our economy. And, and it's just, it's, it's horseshit. So I'm glad that, you know, people like Christian Smalls and the other 
ALU organizers are going to go around and and fucking have actual you know impact on the ground and this is a great thing because this is like the first in a row of dominoes i'm sure to fall because once you show it's possible at one warehouse everyone else will stop being scared that they'll get fired for voting yes and then they'll be more you know apt to 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 think that it's possible where they work and then you know hopefully that that's going to start a train reaction right you know it, it's it's absolutely crucial and it, the you know what, what's so amazing about this and you know the the fact that it is so pivotal uh is also why you've, there's been almost no reporting on it in the of mainstream course, right, media <laughs> because we know exactly who those people work for and but you know this is i mean the the private sector is where the union busting has been the most successful for a hundred years now, you know, public sector, like there's, there's obviously more unions there, but still severely lacking. Um, but Amazon is the largest retail employer. Amazon employs 1.1 million Americans. That That's like one three hundredth of the entire population right. of the country. Right. A lot of um, people. And, you know, one of the little, you know, one of the many things that I liked about Lenin was that after the Soviet Revolution, he was emphatic that they still needed to have unions. Workers needed to have their own unions independent. Right. And and Trotsky was like, well, no, we've had the workers revolution. We have a Soviet republic now. We don't need labor unions anymore. So, yeah, like once I learned that, I was like, I don't feel so bad about that ice pick to the back of his fucking head. He got (laughs) spitting now. because yeah, Trotsky was a fucking scab. So yeah, <laughs> but it, this is encouraging. Obviously, this is the first one. This is you know this is, this is breaking, you know, the ice, so to speak. It's the, the first one's always the hardest. I mean, everything after that's going to be easier. You know, it's going to be it's still going to be hard, but it, it's it's not going to be quite as hard because it's not going to seem quite as insurmountable. Well, it's you know you remember all those the uh, when Amazon made all those fake fucking Twitter accounts. Right. To yeah. to like say how great it was to work at Amazon and how there were no problems. And people were like, is, is this a fucking hostage situation? Like they were so bad. <laughs> and then people started making like parody accounts of those. Right. Uh, and you couldn't tell the fucking difference. It was like, am I reading the parody account or is this an actual? And it, the people realized they were all like all the real ones were just run by a fucking A.I. They could right. like they could they couldn't even form a sentence half the time. So they had like one or two that they would actually have like a real person in an Amazon warehouse taking pictures to like prove it. It's like, oh no, this is totally not a hostage situation where you're taking pictures to prove you're a real person saying nice things about Amazon. Here I am at Amazon having a good time with my friends that are just outside the frame of the camera, but they're totally here with me. We're all having a great time. Preposterous. Um, yeah, so you know, fuck Jeff Bezos. And I know I just love that bit at the beginning, like, hey, thanks, Jeff Bezos, for heading up into space because while you were up there, we were organizing votes down here. I mean, it's it's nonsensical, but it's such a fun know, sentiment, fun. you know. It's, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun <laughs> but, fuck you to and and it, and it, yeah, I mean, it's nonsensical on the face, but again, it's like, yeah, this is what you're fucking wasting your time and money on, you know, the, the most the the biggest fucking fuck you to the environment vanity project probably ever undertaken right in the united states and we're down here fucking making your workers you know aware of the fact that they're being exploited so and, and even when he goes himself. up to fucking space he's still a fucking cunt remember what that shit he did oh, with william God. shatner 
like oh, the, that's the, so the sad. William Shatner, who's probably done more to inspire the exploration of space than anybody else in in human history. Right outside Carl Sagan, uh, <laughs> right? And and fucking Bezos still can't even like take one minute to listen to him remark about how moved he was by the experience. He's just like, yeah, whatever you got to say, fucking William <laughs> Give Shatter. me that champagne. Woo! Give me those fucking <laughs> woo girls in the champagne. <laughs> like, oh, God, what a fucking cunt. Jesus. All right, well, uh, let's move on um, because, yeah, there's a couple things, uh, other things we want to get into. We uh, Just real quick, we should hit the kind of White House stuff. Uh, obviously, are they... Had a big fucking pat on the back ceremony uh, yesterday or the day before uh, about the 10 year anniversary of the ACA passing, which is fucking hilarious that you would like, you know, I mean, I guess you you, you gotta you gotta tout what you've accomplished, even if it's horrible, because, you know, it looks real shitty if you've accomplished nothing. So this yeah, was they, Obama just like stumping for Biden and Harris because they're doing so fucking bad. Well, I mean, the last poll a majority of Americans think that Kamala Harris is unqualified to be the president. Not just yeah, do they agree with her. percent disapproval they, yesterday. They think that she's not capable of the job. Like even Biden with his fucking senile Alzheimer's fucking shtick, people are still like, yeah, I mean, you know, he at least knows what the job is. But a majority, 54% of Americans think that Kamala Harris is not qualified. Because the only time you ever see her in public, she's making a fucking ass of herself. Like every time, you know, we get a clip of her from a press conference or a joint, you know, appearance or anything, it's just a fucking disaster. So it's like, this is the person we're going to let be the public face of this company <laughs> or this country of oh, Freudian slip, this country. Um, yeah, it, it, it's yeah, she's a fucking disaster. But yeah, it, it, you know, but typical Obama, you know fucking you know smelling his own farts lying about accomplishments that you know the aca gave gave access to health care to every american you know it's all the typical horseshit that you expect yeah, just, he just forced so he deaf. forced millions of more americans to purchase private health insurance that they couldn't afford right and and they are now in within the loop of that system and just you know so people know ACA is fucking, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are stuck using ACA plans. It's a fucking disaster. I mean, I, you know, I had a major issue with the ACA last year because I was on an ACA plan and the premium for that plan without subsidies would have been $400 a month, which is completely fucking unaffordable for most Americans. Um, and just for insurance that you're never going to use unless you have a catastrophic fucking accident, in which case you have to pay more money. Um, so it was like $400 a month, but with the subsidies, it was only like a hundred and 130 a month or whatever. But I had made apparently just too much to qualify for subsidies by like a thousand dollars on my overall return. So they wanted me to pay the entirety of the subsidies back. So they were saying I owed like thousands of dollars to the IRS because of the subsidies that I got even though I shouldn't have gotten them, quote unquote, because I made a thousand dollars too much money. Um, it, it's a fucking stupid ass system that's designed to entrap people into the, into these financial situations. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's fucking awful. I mean, it's not even, you know, it's not even the public option, which was the initial thing that Obama campaigned on and fucking lied about. Um, and it, it's not at all a solution. It needs to be eliminated completely and replaced with something considerably better. 
you know. So this was the first so. time. I don't know if we have a video clip of this or not, but I saw a few clips. Um, this is Obama at the White House, and he's there speaking, talking about all the great things he did. As Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are standing next to each other, but like just to Obama's right, right? Like they're all on the stage together. And it's the first time right, I think I've, I've seen Biden and Kamala at the same time, the entire time that he's been the president, she's been the vice president. And, you know, of course they had to like throw out a bunch of like terrible jokes about, you know, by about how Biden's still the vice president and Obama's still the president. Like they like, yeah, I saw that yeah. did those awful jokes. And it's like, <laughs> you're basically just like making Kamala look even worse by making those kind of jokes. Right. And cucking <laughs> yourself as the president of the United States. But basically, like, hey, remember the, when this guy who was way more popular and, and in idiots opinions way better, you know, was president and I was only the vice president. Remember that? Like, and then, and then Obama, he's basically just like reciting his record, you know, like, you, you know, you're doing a good job when your boss has to come in to make you look good by citing his own resume. <laughs> right. It's like, who the fuck is running right now in 2024? Which one of you is running? Like, exactly. it's, it's preposterous. And you know, he doesn't want to fucking be there. Like, he doesn't really no. want to be there. He wants to be just doing rich guy shit. Hanging out on a fucking with yacht. fucking Richard Branson. Exactly. Right. Like, he, you know, as, as much of a, a successful salesman as he was, like, he's over it. He didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> so no, it's we, a shitty job. It, I can it, only imagine. Right. You know, it's not so you, a fun you can, job. you can sense his discomfort. Barack Obama is, you know, he's he's good at selling bullshit, but not really kind of hiding his mood, right? right. Which is which is always like a, an interesting quality that, you know, as rich and powerful as all these people are, like, they can't hide the things that, you know, sort of make us all human, which is right. hilarious, which is Hillary why you should that, exact, yeah, which is exactly sure. why you should still bully these people online because they still have feelings that you can hurt. <laughs> right. And, and, and will and then will subsequently expose themselves, especially when you do it in public and they don't have the option of just not saying anything like they do on Twitter, you know, like when you see them in public, you should film them and yell at them because that's when you really get the fucking, <laughs> exactly. you know, the Madeline Albright calling someone a disgusting Serb or whatever, you know, like that's what you really get. That Remember stuff. when the girl paid the $500 to get into the rich party club? to mm -hmm. unfurl a banner uh and it just like made hillary clinton furious right that was and amazing. It, yeah and then like the the girl got like roughly escorted out then hillary was had she's like anyways you know like did, <laughs> did one of those like whatever that yeah. was about like it literally she read the fucking banner and then just pretended like she didn't see it <laughs> right right well, that was when they were pretending that Black Lives Matter was a terrorist organization. That was when that was when we weren't supposed to. That was when they weren't yeah. supposed to acknowledge their existence, and now they pretend that they're this, you know, institution of the Democratic Party. Oh yeah, uh, and they, you know, oh, them well, quick quick but. flashback. Speaking to terrorists to the union stuff, that um, w one of the little tiny little bits of um, dystopia in in Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I've still been obsessively playing this game. Um, is just like one of the, like the, the newscasts you hear in the background, like, you know, various places where there's TVs everywhere and you're walking around in public or whatever. There's a news report saying that um, the uh, the military has destroyed another terrorist organization that was calling itself a union. And their crime was disrupting the economy by going on strike. 
<laughs> so it's just like the news, like just calling unions terrorists. <laughs> and you're just like, whoa, that's, <laughs> but like, you know, the, the, of course the news announcer is like, you know, announcing this as though it's good news. Cause we got rid of the terrorists who were trying to u- form a union and go on strike. <laughs> So it's just, it's like, it, it, what, you it's know, a preview. It's, it's a, it's a preview of what they're going to do in 10 years, what they're going to call like organizations like the ALU. Right. They're going to be like, oh, well, the economic terrorists in the well, Amazon labor union uh, started another worker uprising this week. Some people have criticized the game because it's not dark enough. And it's, it's like one of the things that I always think is sort of inaccurate about certain dystopias, like say Blade Runner is like, there's, there's apparently no mass media in the future and of you know whatever post-apocalyptic right. thing and it's like right, right, right. there's always going to be mass media right but I, the thing i love that that the game does in cyberpunk is they really take a cue from from like robocop or mass media and commercials uh you know that were always ahead like a sunny disposition while selling you the most horrifying fucking thing possible will very much be a part of the future. Right. That's <laughs> and a I, and I, part. Yeah. So I love, I love that the game uh, embraces that and, you know, really like makes it a more complex, like, wait, like I, that, that doesn't seem dark and scary the way they're telling it to me. Like, yeah, that's the fucking dystopia. That's, that's what you live with right now. <laughs> and that's what the future is going to have more of. So good on the devs for making that happen. Right. Right. All right, well, let's get into some of the Ukraine stuff, you know, before we get out of here. There's a oh, lot real, of... Oh, real quick, real quick, oh, yeah, before yeah. we jump into Ukraine. I, I did want to... I don't want to delve into this too much. I just have just the headline I want to read about this. Mm. Uh, so, um, yeah, Kamala Harris, nobody wants to work for her. Headline, Kamala's deputy chief of staff becomes 11th aide to leave <laughs> in mass exodus. Michael it's been two years. <laughs> It, ha- it hasn't even been one year. No, no. Oh, no, okay. I'm sorry. You're right. No, you're it's right. One year and two January. months. One year and two Jesus months. Jesus Christ, man. So fuck? Kamala's deputy chief of staff becomes 11th aide to leave in what mass exodus. Michael Futch. It's F-U-C-H-S, not Futchess, just Futch. Uh, heads for the door of the VP's office. As she brings in speechwriter who used to work for Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! These fucking people! This fucking revolving door! Unreal. It's just—it's just one giant Aaron Sorkin orgy. That's all well, it because, is. And we've heard all these these you know unnamed reports in like Politico and all these things from people that left her office or that still work in her office that are like, yeah, they just don't take accountability for anything they blame all of her fucking shortcomings on everyone around her not preparing her enough or you know etc etc it's just that she's not good at shit they prepare the breeze for her and then she won't read them the same the way that trump did right or she can't control herself when she gets asked a question that pisses her off and then she goes off and looks like a fool and then somehow that's her staff's fault and not her fault for being a psychopath and you know she can't she can't hide the fucking inner cop in her like the 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 belligerent idiocy that comes with being a cop you and you anyone who's ever had a conversation with a cop knows that they're both idiotic and completely belligerent and sure that they're the smartest person in that conversation that's the defining hallmark of a conversation with a cop and that's something that she cannot shake uh from her person is is that that you know deep within her 
like from her time as as the fucking top cop of uh san francisco so yeah right. it, it just, and if it, you ever watch any terrible. true crime shows where they you know show like the, the actual um, you know footage of interrogations mm-hmm. like and they always show like just the bit where the person confesses or breaks down and admits to like they don't show like the eight hours it took to you know wear that person down before they finally right, it's, right it's like the fucking cops aren't that smart they just have the ability to hold you in a place where they just stress you out to the point where you admit to something you didn't do or you fucking make a mistake and then and they pounce on that. Like they, it's not like there's fucking Sherlock Holmes where no, they can no. walk in and figure out all this shit. Like the only reason why they're interrogating you is because they don't have any fucking physical evidence of what you right. did. <laughs> right. The easiest thing they could do is just intimidate you until you confess. But did you see that video on Twitter? I, I've seen it a couple of times, but it was making the rounds again today. Uh, of that guy who went around with a camera and just started like questioning cops the way that they question civilians <laughs> he's just like uh so what so so what are you doing here and the guy's like what uh, what the cop was like what he's like well how, how long have you been here have you been here all day or you've been uh you know doing some other stuff <laughs> and then the guy's like what are you what, what are you talking about he's like oh i'm asking the questions here and the cop's <laughs> like no i'm asking the like you get so like flustered he couldn't believe like it was just so funny to see them try to like deal with like cops speak back to them like in an, in an unassuming situation <laughs> taking his life in his hands right there um, but... yeah, yeah i was like god man you got some fucking balls of steel to be doing this because i would not be doing this but uh good on you for doing it um yeah way to yeah. cop block oh yeah i just saw this in the news yesterday remember um when we had that huge battle over the columbus statue in grant park here in chicago two years oh, ago god. yeah yeah, so the mayor, um, Mayor Lightfoot, Lori Lightfoot, says uh, the statue's coming back. <laughs> statue's coming back. Uh, like imagine after all the shit you had to go through to get it down, and 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 fucking the the, the fiasco that it, you were causing by protecting it that you somehow think it's wise to oh to if she, initiate if she this think again. there's not going to be another fucking bloody ass battle over that thing, right? I, I honestly think that she's so incompetent that she thinks that all that shit happened purely as a reaction to George Floyd's death. Like that there's not hundreds of years of colonialism behind all the rest of everything there. Right. And it's, it's like, who are you trying to impress with this? The Italians? The Italians are never going to vote for a black mayor. Sorry. It's just I mean, not going to happen. Also what's right. Italians are notoriously racist, but also like, what's the, Italian population of Chicago versus the black population. There's, or, or there's just the it's it's there's like one fucking ward that right. has this fucking super racist uh pro cop Italian alderman. And I'm sure that like there's some fucking favor she needs from him. So she's like, right. all right, you gotta have your fucking statue back. Exactly. This is the same mayor that's that uh is being sued or was being sued. I don't know the status of the suit now, uh for uh, berating a group of Italians telling them that I have a bigger dick than than all the Italians in Chicago. I have the biggest dick in Chicago is what the the, the suit quotes her saying. Now, whether she said that or not, no one knows. I mean, she probably did if they're fucking quoting her. Seems like something she would say. Yeah, because if you didn't say it, then, you know, she could counter super defamation. But um, yeah, so like how many fucking votes is she going to? I mean, the, it's not like she's going to win over any cops in this either. They, no, I mean, of course they're still gonna hate her because she's black and she's a Democrat. And right. Despite the fact that she does their fucking bidding, they still think that she's the devil because she's a Democrat. So she who gives gave a fuck? 190 million dollars of our COVID relief money, and right. she's also calling to to increase funding for the police after her own poll of city voters found that 80 percent of the city 
who voted, it was like 15,000 people responded to the poll. 80% wanted to defund the police. She, she's now increasing the police budget 20%. Um, and yeah, getting back to the cops too. There was a girl who was punched in the face by a cop and it busted out all of her front teeth at that, that direct action. And she was doing what I was doing, which was simply filming. She was right. just filming the police and they said she got too close. So one of them fucking punched her front teeth out shattered her teeth and he's up for, sure that's uh, the first time he's hit a woman i'm sure oh and and it, he's had uh something like 29 excessive force complaints filed against him and of course oh. still has his job still has his job um and yeah the the phone she was filming with the cop confiscated and it disappeared it was never filed with evidence it just disappeared so if anything that might be the thing that gets him fired is that he basically took evidence of, right yeah, evidence of his own crime, not evidence of what she was doing. Stole her phone and made it disappear. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm yeah. sorry I don't have the officer's name up here. We should be fucking doxing we'll that motherfucker. It. Right. Uh, um, yeah, what, I mean, but this is just, they all fucking do this. It's unreal. It's just unreal, the shit that they get away with. Well, I remember <sighs> being there, just as a quick little side, we'll get to Ukraine here, but uh, there were so many cops that got, fucking blood on their face because they were <laughs> people were throwing fucking frozen cans of LaCroix by the hundreds. Right. Uh, I've never seen so many cops bloodied in my life. And I saw a lot more people, protesters, people that took part in that direct action, trying to tear down that statue who were bloodied too. But the cops had to show up with like overwhelming numbers after they were initially defeated. It, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I've never seen like a direct frontal assault on the police like that it, much less one that was successful where it took them uh, almost 45 minutes to regroup and get reinforcements in order to come in and fucking crack heads but man I, I, there was one cop that was like he clearly had gotten out of the melee and was now standing kind of over to the side blood pouring down his head and he's trying to like reason with some other protesters who were just standing there he's like I'm not a bad guy I'm not a bad guy I don't know why people are doing this I'm not a bad guy <laughs> And it's, it's just like that that disconnect. Like, yeah, you might not be a bad guy, but look who you're fucking dressed up as. Look who you're here with. Look what side you're on. You're on the right. side of a fucking, you know, just white supremacy, racism, genocide, rape, mass murder. You know, look at what you're protecting here. Right. right? Now, you might just rationalize it. Well, it's just public property, so I just have to follow orders. It's like, no, you don't. You people fucking look the other way all the other time when you right. want to. You make up your own fucking laws all the time. You selectively enforce the things that you want to enforce and don't enforce yeah. the shit that you don't. Every white person in America knows that if you have a PBA card in your wallet, you're never getting a fucking ticket. Like, that's just something that every white person in America knows. And it's just like, yeah, they can choose to enforce whatever laws they want. Um and, you know, it, and not enforce whatever laws they don't want to. So it's total fucking horseshit that they are like like they don't want to protect the fucking statue of some racist fucking prick who didn't even discover America. Like of course they want to protect that because it pisses off the people that they don't like, you know? Sure. Commies and, and, and black 90, people. 90%. Like, 90%. I'm sure there's like 10% of the cops in Chicago. Sure, right. You know, probably A small percentage. You know, probably young, probably not white who probably not long like, for the profession i'm gonna you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be the good police you know like on the wire they always talked about trying to be good police even you know when they weren't <laughs> that right. was that was sort of like they, they were trying to at least um you know breaking the rules for the sake of actually catching the, the real bad guys um 
but then you know becoming the what's what's the batman quote <laughs> yeah you live long enough you live uh you die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain exactly exactly and it's like i guarantee like you know that th- those people will be cops for a very short amount of time right right because, because they're gonna be like their fellow is, cops will run them out right. of the profession exactly exactly and you know like and and more power to them <laughs> to not did be you a see cop that anymore video? but did you see that video of the fucking cop who was like beating on this black guy that he had handcuffed in his in his cruiser and uh, a female officer a young officer came up behind him and pulled him by his belt like to try to just back him out and just like hey come on and he grabbed her by the fucking neck and like rammed her up against the cruiser like no i haven't uh, seen that i'll I'll send that to you it's 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 exactly what you expect but it's just you know this this little like five foot five female officer who clearly is like new to the job and was like hey maybe don't beat the shit out of this guy who's clearly defenseless and he literally grabbed her by the fucking neck and like rammed Jesus. her up against the thing and then yelled well, at her later in the video like i'll be seeing you later or some shit like that like <laughs> well hopefully they live in the freak. same building and she gets confused and tries to walk into his apartment and shoots him. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but i mean it's just it's complete it, they're just completely unreformable it needs to be fucking done away with entirely i would literally rather have lawlessness than have a country patrolled by these fucking maniacs it, it's just not it's not a it's not a sustainable fucking system i don't know how you do i mean because like clearly there, there's some things the police have to do that we need to have done it's just it's it's like you it know. doesn't need to be them that does it like we can have a well, that, force that's the thing that's a, it's like the right. people that want the job are the people that should never have that fucking job <laughs> right right it, it should only be that like 10 percent of you know like hey i was a fucking good hall monitor so i'm gonna you know try to whatever right. uh <laughs> it's, it's, i also think just you know unarming them would do a, a significant even even if it would still have a lot of psycho cops even if you have a lot of psycho cops around who you know use excessive force it, taking away their guns would be a major improvement in in a lot of situations i mean they'd still kill people they'd find a way but they wouldn't kill quite as many people every but year but if they don't have guns how can they rush into a school shooting and then hide behind a car for two hours while it continues <laughs> right exactly <laughs> right this, this, well and, this, and this then the you get thing. to the conversation of nobody should have the fucking guns that we have in this country but that's not even you know forget about it right but the <laughs> weapons that are supposed work. to be on our battlefield should not be on our streets that whole that whole fucking schism <laughs> right right the pete Buttigieg judge uh fucking quote Wait, why um, why are they on our battlefields why are we right. at battle why are we at war who's <laughs> right exactly all right speaking all right, well, of ukraine speaking of, right speaking of war <laughs> uh yeah so uh yeah the ukraine situation is you know again i don't really i don't think any of us have a real sense of how it's going because you can never trust you know, reporting in any situation, I mean, you know, a lot of reporting you hear is like, oh, well, Russia's retreating, but everything I've seen, you know, seems to indicate that they've more or less like completed their objectives in in certain major cities. They're not like, who knows what the fuck is actually happening there, you know, at the end of the day. But, um, you know, the big thing that this week that it seemed real convenient was that there was this, you know, massacre of civilians in this one city, uh, Buka. Buka, I don't know how you pronounce it, but um, that was only found after the Russian soldiers had left, um, you know, and the Ukrainian, you know, troops and the Ukrainian army had been through there. All of a sudden they found these soldiers in this area that Russia was occupying for like a month and apparently was were living in harmony with the resident. It just seems very suspicious. And I'm not saying that, you know, there weren't 
think you know that there aren't atrocities being committed by both armies but it it just seemed it, it reeked an awful lot of like hey here's a provocation for the u.s to step in now they're you know committing a genocide like it, it just feel, it, felt well, very so i i saw this thing about mass graves right and right. immediately it was like okay well let, let's let's see it so i tried to find pictures of it and i found the most i found was a picture of a single ditch that looked like it had Same. been dug and like it four was, or five bodies and bags in it basically but there were no bodies though it was just bags and that's maybe, true, yeah. maybe those true. bags had bodies in them but those bags looked like they came from a morgue right and like unless the morgue got blown up like why wouldn't you just have those bodies in the morgue like, also why would they be bagging bodies if they're throwing them in a mass grave i wouldn't when they just like throw them into the grave like i right and it was ukrainians that were throwing these bodies into a mass grave it wasn't russians that were doing this so it was like they it it looked very staged right and you're not seeing any actual bodies it's just things in bags maybe they're actual dead bodies maybe they you know like but if they if the morgue was blown up and they couldn't put people just you know in the morgue then where did they get the body bags from because they were clearly body bags meant for bodies and not just like random trash bags or anything maybe there were bodies from the initial surge into that that area i mean who fucking know like the it it seemed an awful lot like there were bodies left behind from the initial surge which was you know a conflict between two sides and that it's possible that you know they were then made to look like you know victims of of mass executions which uh, it just seems preposterous that you know that that would be happening well every time i've ever seen historically a photo of mass graves uh, it, it's a mass of bodies, not right. just like four trash bags <laughs> in a ditch, right. right? I mean, you look at the Malay massacre; it's just bodies on top of bodies on top of bodies. And this right. was like four. <clears throat> if if we're to believe that there actually were dead bodies in those bags, which I mean, I understandably like this is a war. There's there no are, shortage of bodies. People find right, right. There are dead people, but somebody dug up a uh, headline from 19, I believe it was 1941 or 42. Uh, the New York Times was um, talking about uh, the massive bodies uh, that Soviets had killed in Ukraine and and mass graves. And then they included further down in the article where it also concluded that, yes, they were all Nazis. The people that were dead were all Nazis. <laughs> but still, I mean, right, that's the article's like, but still, come on, guys. So, yeah, again, I mean, the, the, the people that Russia invaded Ukraine to fight against are the people that were killing Ukrainians for the last eight years who right. are Nazis. In the, in the Donetsk region <laughs> okay. of the fucking Ukraine, which were, yeah, yeah, exactly. Separatist regions that were not, you know, that were that were loyal to Russia because they didn't want to be. Uh, ruled by a puppet government that was put into power by the fucking Nazis in 2014. So yeah, it's it's a, you know, it's a fucking mess. Uh, Obviously we should have no involvement in it whatsoever, uh, even though, you know, everyone is foaming at the mouth to get us involved militarily and just spark world war three. I I had a couple clips. I have a clip here of Ali Velshi, who's an MSNBC anchor um, who allegedly is in the Ukraine. I think, I think he's in the Ukraine as much as, uh, Vladimir Zelensky's in Ukraine and that he's standing in front of a green screen video of the Ukraine. But here, here's a clip of him uh, uh, just just foaming at the mouth to fucking get us involved. We are past the point of sanctions and strongly worded condemnations and the seizing of oligarchs mega yachts. 
It's no longer sufficient as the evidence of war crimes and crimes against humanity continue to grow. Vladimir Putin has no regard for life or humanity or even the rules of war. He's proven that time and time again, and he has also pursued the indiscriminate killing of civilians time and time again, twice before in Ukraine and in Chechnya. The global world order and potentially democracy's survival hang in the balance. If this isn't the kind of moment that the United Nations and NATO and the UN and the G20 and the Council of Europe and the G7 were made for, what is the point of these alliances if not to stop this? The world cannot sit by as Vladimir Putin continues this reign of terror. What was the point of us joining all these fake fucking organizations that were obviously just a cover for our imperialist foreign policy, I mean, if not to... to... He, he's totally right. Like, we should absolve all of those fucking stupid imperialist <laughs> war alliances. Right. He, he's, he's right, but not in the way he thinks he's right. What is the point? Exactly. Ugh. Oh, God. Just so gross. Like, just openly... Advocate. And this is, like, the, supposed to be the fucking news. Like, this is the news. Another, we have another clip that you just sent me right before we went on air of another noted foreign policy expert uh, with years of experience, uh, <laughs> actor Sean Penn. Oh my God. Sean Hannity's show. Um, you know, it's so funny that they accuse the far left, and, you know, of, 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 you know, working with the far right and like, oh, you know, horseshoe theory, blah, blah, blah. This is like the prime example of fishhook theory in, in, in practice where the centrists uh, in this country are fully in lockstep with the far right when it comes to almost everything militarily economically you know in any way that actually affects people outside of you know uh, wedge issues but um i'll play this clip and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about uh sean penn's expertise in those early hours i know that trump gave them javelins i know that they had some defense oh sorry clip cut out hang on in those early hours I know that Trump gave them javelins. I know that they had some defenses. But if you go back to the Budapest Agreement, they were at the time the third largest nuclear power in the world. Mm. And they, they made an agreement that they'd give those weapons to, the, to Russia to be destroyed in exchange for protection from Russia, Great Britain, and the U.S. Uh, lesson to be learned here, don't give up your nuclear weapons if you have them because you can't believe people like Vladimir Putin... Why even countries that have nuclear weapons can remain intimidated to use them. And we're seeing that now with our own country. And I fear what that legacy is going to be. We don't well, no one wants to see a nuclear conflict. I don't want to see one. Nobody At does. the same time, if only one bully <laughs> is going to be able to use those weapons as a threat, we gotta rethink what we're doing. What yeah, man, it's a real fuck? it's a real shame that we that we won't use our nuclear weapons for intimidation. Nobody wants to see a nuclear war, but <laughs> right. it's just like well, well he got around it by saying at the same time it's totally not the same as buck guys don't worry it's not the same but at the same time on the other <laughs> hand i mean yeah a nuclear war would be, be would be terrible <sighs> but <laughs> however <laughs> be that as it may <laughs> it just shows you that what is, it, and he also yeah. he he tweeted out the other day, I, I, and I sent this to the group chat, and this is a Sean Penn just out of nowhere, not like in response to anyone. This was his tweet. Uh, it shows you what an expert he is. By open source, two squadrons of F-15s or 16s, uh, in parentheses, that's 12 aircraft with better tech than Russian MiGs or SUs, uh, quickly trainable, parentheses, three weeks, 
to Ukrainian aviators would cost private sector buyers approximately $300 million. Add another $200 million in missile defense for a total of $500 million. One billionaire could end this war in Ukraine. Of course, there are add-ons in arming and maintaining creative <laughs> runways, etc., but seems worth a think. Worth a think, yeah. Elon, please save us by buying a fucking Air Force for Ukraine. It's just, I don't know how anyone fucking takes it. Like, it's when, um, I remember the first time I read that, uh, you know, Charlie's Theron had, had dated Sean Penn and then ghosted on him, which is kind of weird. That, like, you know, you're a celebrity and you work right, in this right. world with celebrity. The idea that you can really, like, completely ghost on somebody uh, is it, kind of strange because, like, you'll still bump into them and you'll still know everyone that knows them, right? But it, it was just like, God, how terrible must he be? And good for her. And then just like everything that I've ever seen about Sean Penn ever since then has just been like, yes, this is exactly fucking why. <laughs> and I'm sure she's terrible about this kind of shit too, but she doesn't go, right. go on fucking Sean Hannity. She's a white South to, African. To broadcast so I mean, we, her right. fucking ignorance. Like, I'm sure she's like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm not a global policy expert. I'm not going to go on fucking Fox News and pretend to be one. Make a fucking ass of myself. Yeah, <laughs> right? well, Sean Penn's also the guy who allegedly tied Madonna to a chair and like tortured her when they were married to each other. So, Remember you know, not, not a fucking, great guy. He did the whole fucking Rolling Stone article where he interviewed fucking Chapo el chapo the fucking the the uh, the drug, drug cartel kingpin, kingpin. Right. and he was like well he only kills people if he has to and he like tried to humanize him murdering he people such, he has such weird politics i don't, I really don't understand his it, politics. it just it, he really is like i can't even like pin him to anything he's just fucking like has no you know he's like just has no I, I fucking brain cells left the most impressionable fucking alcoholic <laughs> who you just have a drink with him and feed him shit and he's convinced of it right that'll be his pet cause for the next six months he's got the joe rogan empty vessel thing where like you can just get him high (laughs) and spoon feed him anything and he'll fucking believe it down to his core and yeah it's a shame too because i i fucking loved uh milk you know when he when he played harvey milk in that movie in like 2008 2009 whatever it was and yeah, it's just a shame that you would think he, I, I assumed he had good politics at the time, but I, I just, yeah, he, he clearly has no coherent politics whatsoever. He's just an empty vessel for whatever uh, person is pumping him with, with information. And, and we're laughing, but I mean, the sentiment that he's sharing is not isolated. It's psychotic. No, it's, right. So uh, this was a, a series of tweets yesterday from a guy named Benjamin Whitey's. His last name is W. His last name is W I T T E S. So uh, maybe if, if if it was Wits, Whitey's, Whitey's, it's <laughs> yeah. So it's just Benjamin Whitey's, and of course his Twitter avatar is the Ukrainian flag. Of oh, course. course, and he tweeted out. I'm just going to read a couple of these tweets here. One of the oddities, one of the oddities of the current debate over Russia and Ukraine is the shared certainty of the American left and right that confronting Russia inevitably risks world war three this is bewildering it's like we don't have 70 years of managing nuclear risk with russia or something next tweet nuclear escalation is not binary in which you either docilely accept russian aggression or you end the world yeah there's a mid-ground where we can have a little bit of nuclear war as a treat (laughs) right we only wipe out like 30% of the world's population with nukes. This, that, that's, I mean, that's the middle this ground. This is literally what Kubrick made fucking Dr. Strangelove for, <laughs> is these fucking people that think that like there's a mid-ground 
where multiple nuclear powers can exchange warheads and there's, you know, well, well, you know, and people out in the suburbs, they might be okay, right? Uh, right, they'll so, just strangle on the fucking radiation, you know, or, you know, die of fucking cancer from it, you know, five years later. That's, that, that'll be that'll be their fate. So his next tweet. Very good discussion on the subject between Bill Crystal and Stephen Rosen. <laughs> for who those, for those who want to think seriously about the relative dangers of escalation and non-escalation. The relative dangers. Oh there might be no God. danger. There might be some. We don't know. We better turn to Bill Crystal for her, his expertise. <laughs> right, right. Noted foreign policy expert who's never wrong about anything. So somebody <laughs> replied to him. I don't, I don't have the reply tweet here, um, but somebody mentioned the Iraq war, and this guy, Benjamin Whitey's, got mad. He said, Bill Crystal's show conversations is truly exemplary. If you can't hear his name without talking about Iraq, you should open your mind. <laughs> yeah. the uh, open your mind to the like... to the other neat ideas that Bill Crystal's had about the world. Bill Crystal, who, reason... who to this who this day, Bill Crystal to this day thinks the Iraq War was the right choice. Right. The, the only reason he has a fucking television show, the only reason we know who he is, is because of his fucking blunders in, in, in you know, being one of the chief fucking spin doctors for the Bush administration. Like, that's the only reason he's a fucking famous person is because of the, his fucking, you know, goofs in Iraq. And yeah, like, we're not supposed to mention that when we bring him up. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So Benjamin Whitey's, uh, the first line of his Twitter bio is hmm. senior fellow at the Brookings Institute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That that, that explains it. Um, and if if you if you like Google the Brookings Institute, they're considered to be a liberal think tank. Right, of course. <laughs> of course. So, but just so happens that like every, you know, think piece they put out uh is like far right wing. Doesn't Kissinger sit on their board or he did sit on their board at one point? What board wouldn't have him? I mean, that's right, like right, it's yeah. Exactly. He's well known and wealthy. So, of course, they want him on their board, just like Elon. Oh, God. All right. Well, you, we, you had some stuff you wanted to talk about uh, in, in terms of uh, the IMF and the Ukraine. So you want to you get to some of that stuff? Yeah, I'll, I'll rip through that real quick. But one thing I wanted to, to address uh, is how, um, you know, the, 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 the thing that liberals keep holding on to, you know, still is that Ukraine has no Nazis. But if they do have Nazis, they're good Nazis and arming them is, is OK. Uh, so Julia Iofi, Ioff, whatever the fuck her name is, we've quoted her before. Right. Not to um, her. She retweeted somebody named Dr. Ian Garner, um, who was uh, sharing a video and describing the video, uh, Dr. Ian Garner, just some army cadets in Russia telling us how this is World War II all over again, that America did it. Ukraine's full of Nazis and they plan to take revenge. Perfectly ordinary stuff. Which, I mean, like, they so they think that that's not real. They think that, like, Russia putting out propaganda about that it means it's not real. So right. Julia Iofi uh, co-signs that, and she tweeted that. Uh, These totally non-fascist Russian cadets are reciting a poem about how Ukraine has been filled with Nazis by the U.S. so it can fight against Russia, its older sister, which will liberate Ukraine from this impurity. Uh, again, pretending as though, like, Ukraine doesn't have Nazis and U.S. has no involvement. 
Well, so, and, and pretending that in 2014 we didn't back the fucking Euromaidan coup, which was fucking, you know, run at the top by a bunch of <laughs> Nazi paramilitary organizations that we, you know, were, were backing. I mean, that's literally true. Like, you know, if you want to say like, oh, they're not going to war with them because of that, that's your opinion. But that's the, the, the fact that it, Ukraine's riddled with Nazi sympathizers and Banderites is not at all, you know, up, up to debate. So this didn't start in 2014, though. This started no, no, of course. I mean, on the started... 28th of August, 1953, the CIA uh, approved and began something called Project Aerodynamic. And we know about this because of FOIA requests. And this was on, somebody tweeted this out. These are the actual Xerox copies of these documents that were declassified. And they were originally top secret, got bumped down to classified, then eventually released publicly. Um, which is supposedly the way that everything's supposed to be. Like every every government document that is top secret should have is is the you know when I was at Department of State this was um, kind of rammed into our heads that nothing should be secret forever. That eventually everything is supposed to be declassified, and that's how we know about shit like this, right? right. All these people that are like, oh, that's just a you know right-wing conspiracy theory oh that's that's russian propaganda it's like well okay but the cia admits they did this right so you, you just brought up a t- so this was the purpose of that uh, this is from the document it says top top secret security information memorandum for the chief comma plans 28 august 1953 subject project aerodynamic renewal so maybe this started before 1953 the f uh, right. the Sorry, the, the purpose of Project Aerodynamic is to exploit anti-Soviet Ukrainian resistance groups such as the U, U uh, sorry, the UHVR, mm. um, which at the time was led by Stephen Bandera, mass murderer of Jews. Right. That's written in red, obviously so added. It's an offshoot of the OUN, I imagine. But the right. UHFR, right. <laughs> Let's see. The uh, purpose of it, and this is uh, like these documents come from uh multiple years here spanning let's see this is 1970 uh current objectives aerodynamic project renewal 1970 the objective of project aerodynamic is to support the foreign representation of the ukrainian supreme liberation council nazis uh to exploit nationalistic culture and other dissident tendencies in the soviet ukraine and encourage national intellectual unrest um, project Aerodynamic is the CIA's only project which specifically exploits the minority nationality question in the Soviet Union. Again, tapping into white supremacy. Right. Um, and there's something about neurological points. Not exactly sure what that means here. Uh, another renewal in 18 June 1969. It is in its present form. Uh, Aerodynamic is about 17 years old, and I don't even know how long it continued. But like this was, you know, the, the idea that the United States has not been intimately involved in propping up Nazis in Ukraine for the last 70 years. That's the fiction, like, right? Literally this is, this the second the world war two fucking ended. We were like, all right, so now that we, you know, <laughs> now that that's over with, obviously we need to deal with the Russian menace and we need to, you know, bring in as many Nazis as possible to do that and support them everywhere. We can like the, the U S basically got into bed with the Nazis in, in the immediate aftermath of world war two. And that's like the dirty, secret of this country that you know you'll you, you can you can learn if you look if you look into it but it's never something that we you know go ahead and tout but i mean we've we've been in bed with like the actual nazis you know in 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 so many different ways ever since 
World War II. I mean, well, I mean it, it's hilarious because their argument, the CIA's argument, was that they were just pushing for Ukraine's autonomy from the Soviet Union. Like, like we're so interested <laughs> right. in, in their sovereignty that they were going to wage a coup to install, a, you know, a pro-Western, you know, and, and it's, it's funny because this, this document, like they repeatedly, the CIA refers to uh, a liberalized government. Of course, right. like when they when the CIA says liberal, what they mean is liberalized capital markets. That's what right. they mean, right. <laughs> right? But they're throughout this document, they're repeatedly saying, "Well, we we respect Ukraine's autonomy. We want them to be free from the Soviet Union, right?" But then, as soon as there's like a a, a group that wants autonomy from Ukraine in Ukraine, uh, we don't respect that, and <laughs> we're arming the people that are carrying out mass murder of those people, right? And and for people that don't know who Stephen Bandera, Bandera is, uh, he is when we say Nazi, we're not like oh well they're neo Nazi. Like no, he actually is a Nazi collaborator. Like during World War II, he you know he he was the leader of this this you know Ukrainian nationalist group, and they they basically controlled the region of the Ukraine, and they declared their independence from the Soviet Union. Um, he actually, funnily enough, in an ironic twist, uh, ended up in a concentration camp in '44 because he wouldn't like rescind that declaration when Germany invaded uh, the Soviet Union. But then they let him out because they realized they needed his help post war, you know, kind of post World War II to, to get the, the Soviets in line in that it region. It was a complicated time. It was, but I mean, he was a Nazi collaborator and a Nazi himself and, a, and you know, and a, and a fucking anti-Semite. So he um, was, was just a horrible fucking piece of shit. And, uh, you know, he's still held up in Ukrainian circles and some Ukrainian circles as a hero. I mean, there's a statue of him in Lviv, Lviv I don't know how you pronounce that city, LVIV, um, in the Ukraine. Uh, I actually was doing some research about this. In 2009, they polled Ukrainian citizens on their opinion of Bandera. And he actually polled pretty low in, in a good portion of Ukraine. But in the uh, Gal- Galicia region, which is like the kind of e- westernmost portion of Ukraine, it's basically on the border with Poland, uh, which has its own problems with far right fascists. Uh, he has a sixty three percent positivity rating, like somewhat or very positive uh, view of him. People in that region, so it, this is not just like an isolated, you know, small thing. Like there, there are whole regions in the Ukraine that are. Uh, you know, have extreme Nazi sentiments still to mm. this day. And I mean, I wonder I, how I, he I, pulls with Italians. <laughs> right. <laughs> I God, I don't even know what the fuck they, you know, what the, what, what the current modern Italians, I mean, you know, obviously Mussolini was in power for so long, but who knows if that's, you know, was even at their, cons- you know, what, who knows? Say what but, you must about Mussolini, but. <laughs> <laughs> God, can you imagine if this Columbus statues were Mussolini statues it's, that would make this even funnier I think if there were like Mussolini statues put up by the Italian American that's, that's and, the funniest thing about the podium that statue sits on that's still there right is that there's a bust of Mussolini holding the, <laughs> that little fucking fascist I forget the name of it it's like a fasci the yeah I forget it's like, how you pronounce it's like a it, hatchet but it's like a certain designed hatchet that was the symbol of italian fascism right so the, like the the bust of the statue like the the, po- the podium the statue used to sit on it's still there is still a monument to fascism sitting there it, to this it's, day it's, act, it's literally called a fascist that's where the name comes from it's a bound bundle of wooden rods uh sometimes including an axe with its blade emerging so it was like a, a primitive 
you know, weapon in like medieval times, but it's literally the symbol of fascism the same way a hammer and sickle is the symbol this, of communism. This, right. So this, this whole fucking thing kicked off a, a, a city commission to study like all of Chicago's landmarks to look for other, you know, boo-boos and no-nos. Uh, and, and they haven't concluded their their study yet because apparently, you know, reading books is hard and it takes a while. Right. Um, and, and so they haven't come to any conclusion about any other monument yet. And the fact that the mayor wants to put it back uh, in, you know, without having any recommendation from this city committee, um, much as they're taking their time, is just it's fucking appalling. I mean, it should be. Right. It just a bulldozer comes in and levels the fucking thing. It's a monument to a fascist holding a fascist symbol with a fucking mass murdering genocider that uh, sitting on top of it. Perched the top, like, right? It, it, you don't need a, a fucking study to read the room on that one. Right, right, exactly. So well, I wanted to read a little bit here um, because oh, it's yeah. just it's like again the 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 depths of what's going on in Ukraine is so lost on so many people who don't read. They don't fucking read anything, right? And, or, or right, they just the, go on Fox News and talk about billionaires buying yeah. F-16s for the what, Ukraine. What's Rachel Maddow have to say about this? I, I don't know what to think. Join right. us next on the What to Think Network. <laughs> so I have a, a bit of text here, but it's it's very compelling I'll try to run through it as quick as possible here. This is a headline, the IMF connection with the Ukraine. It's not really a headline. It's just the title. Um, This is is written by an academic um, by posted March, let's see, posted March 7, 2022 by Prabhat Patnayak, who is a Indian political economist and political commentator. His books include... Accumulation and Stability Under Capitalism, 1997, The Value of Money, 2009, and Re-Envisioning Socialism, 2011. So he's he's a Marxist. He's a Marxist right. economist, like an actual economist who is a Marxist, which Marx was an economist. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, <laughs> right, folks, but uh, Marx is still the most read economist in human history. Right. Not a head of state in any way. He was actually just an economist. <laughs> like, that's why. Right. He was an economist who was, was correct. Right. The reason why everyone hates him is because he got it right. He predicted shit hundreds of years in advance. Right. He was so right that it's still completely relevant in 2021, everything right. that he fucking wrote about. If he was wrong, nobody who's a fucking billionaire would be threatened by him because they'd go, <laughs> oh, he's, he's totally wrong. I'm not, if, he, if he was wrong, what's there's no threat here. There's that whole fucking like, oh, well, Marx didn't foresee X meme. And they literally said that when like the fucking ship blocked the Suez Canal. And then they found a passage <laughs> yeah. where he basically that was so predicted that. It was funny. so fucking funny. Literally, because he was writing that back when they were digging the Suez Canal. <laughs> Right. And he was like, this is going to become such a vital shipping channel that like all somebody would have to do would be to fucking take it over and shut it down, which happened in the 60s. The fuck a bunch of terrorists fucking, well, not terrorists, but according to England. They were called terrorists. Ter- right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, took it over <laughs> and they had to send in fucking black ops to take it back. Um, so yeah, uh, Mark correctly predicted that like if anything gummed up the Suez Canal, it would affect the entire global economy, which we saw happen just like a year ago. All right. So uh, IMF Connection with Ukraine Crisis by Pramhat Pasniak. 
He writes, the security concerns of Russia arising from Ukraine's intentions of joining NATO have been widely discussed in the media. But the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, uh, which is a bank, the IMF's link with Ukraine, which is a parallel issue, has scarcely received much attention. The IMF, as is well known, opens up economies around the world for the penetration of metropolitan capital by making them investor friendly through the adoption of a host of anti-working class and uh, and pro-austerity measures. And such opening up typically involves taking over of natural resources of the countries uh, and also their land areas by metropolitan capital. When he says metropolitan capital, I'm assuming he means like, you know, finance institutions, you know, large banks that are centered in, you know, capital urbanization. The mechanism that the IMF typically uses towards this end is the imposition of conditionalities for giving loans to countries that are in need of balance of payment support. In addition, however, to this general role that the IMF plays, there are occasions when it plays a specific role, namely that of supporting the U.S. government's Cold War objectives. And in the case of the Ukraine, it has played this specific role almost from the very beginning, apart from its general role of opening up the Ukrainian economy to metropolitan capital. Prior to 2014, when Viktor Yanukovych was the president of Ukraine, that country had been in in negotiations. Ukraine had been in negotiations with the IMF as part of its trade interrogation with the European Union. The IMF had asked Ukraine to undertake a number of reforms, to cut wages, to reform and reduce the health and education sectors, which in Ukraine were major employment generating areas, and to cut the subsidy on natural gas it was provided by the state to all Ukrainian citizens, which made energy affordable to them. President, you, uh, you can't have, um, sorry, President uh, Yanukovych. President Yanukovych. Sorry, it's like the, it's the a, way. It's it, a weird one. <laughs> well, I said it right the first time, but it's it's like the the way it looks in my notes. It it has it says it's like spelt wrong, right? Because it doesn't recognize the words. There's like all right. these like dots around it, so it's just hard to read on my screen. Apologies. President Yanukovych was reluctant to impose these reforms, which would have imposed a heavy burden on his people. He stopped negotiating with the IMF and started negotiating with Russia instead. So it's like, okay, yeah, like the West is pissed now. Right. So he he continues, this became his unpardonable crime. Breaking off negotiations with the IMF was tantamount to escaping the hegemony, not just of international capital, intent on on imposing a neoliberal regime, but of Western imperialist powers, especially the U.S., and hence hence NATO. In other words, NATO and IMF were not seen as distinct organizations, each working in its own sphere of operation with its own objective, but they were, in fact, organizations with similar and overlapping objectives. The U.S. uh, peeved at... uh, (laughs) Peeved... (laughs) Fuck. All right, the U.S. peeved at Yanukovych's temerity at returning to Russia instead of the IMF, decided to restrict further damage, and he was overthrown in a U.S.-sponsored coup, which was carried out with the assistance of the Nazi elements in Ukraine that had been at the forefront of the anti-Yanukovych demonstrations in the run-up to the coup. These elements have now become formally incorporated into the Ukrainian army through the inclusion in it of the Azov Battalion, a far-right all-volunteer infantry military unit that earlier formed part of the military reserve of the National Guard of Ukraine. The government that came to power after the 2014 coup restarted negotiations with the European Union 
for which it obtained a loan commitment of $27 billion from the IMF after showing its good intentions by cutting the gas subsidy to citizens by a half. This loan had uh, several notable features. First, it was huge, much larger, in fact, more than six times larger than what the IMF would normally provide in a comparable situation. It was given to a country in the midst of a civil war, as Ukraine was then, which apparently is not normal uh, to do that, which is against usual IMF practice. And third, it was known from the very beginning that the loan could not possibly be paid back so that the only means through which it would be sought to be recovered would be through metropolitan capital taking control of the country's land area and mineral resources, the Mm -hmm. most prominent of which was natural gas. Two more paragraphs here. The IMS operations to Ukraine in 2014 therefore bring out not just the typical aspect of its policy, which is to open up the economy to metropolitan capital, but an additional aspect as well, namely as an aid to U.S. Cold War objectives. The objective of opening up to metropolitan capital, the markets, land, and natural resources of Ukraine could have been served in 2014, even with a much smaller loan from the IMF. But the extraordinary size of the loan underscores the nexus between the U.S. administration that wants Ukraine within its orbit uh, the Ukrainian oligarchs who want to take their wealth out of the country in dollars and euros, uh, and the post-coup government that has to arrange for all such transfers, and the IMF that has to foot the bill. So I'm, I'm going to skip the rest of it. Just the so, point's made there. Right. And this is, again, why we'll never actually switch to completely renewable energy, because what we won't have any countries to invade if we switch to a, a country that, or if we switch to a renewable energy um you know, infrastructure system, because then there's no one to invade to steal their fucking natural resources. What are we going to, what are we going to do with our time? Um, yeah. I mean, this, you know, it's so funny to me, the the, the IMF, like, yo, the only time you ever hear about the IMF is like, it, it, like, like zany right-wing conspiracy theories, or like when you read about it and it's just like, oh yeah, no, they're, they're like the worst predatory, you know, Western imperial loan organization in the world. And we just kind of all accept the fact that that's, you know, what basically drives almost every fucking, you know, major world conflict. And there, there was actually a funny uh, tweet response. I think it was in response to that CIA operation atmosphere thing, but I think it applies in both uh, stories. Uh, and it was this guy, Austin Sadler it was every, uh every conspiracy theory is either uh that's medieval anti-semitism in a new hat or that's not a theory the cia literally admits they did it but nobody cares for some reason exactly <laughs> that's exactly. really what everything is like in all, fucking... all this shit these liberals say oh that's fucking russian propaganda but the cia admitted that they did that right but right. That, that's it's being promoted by a russian website like <laughs> a russian well, I mean, web they, they told on themselves with the black lives matter stuff where they're like well you know a couple of years ago they're like oh well just you know russia's exploiting the, the 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 murder of george floyd to to rile up anti-police sentiments it's like we literally saw him mur- like get murdered on camera it's like yeah but russia's exploiting and it's like yeah okay so this everything that they say is russian disinformation then is is likely absolutely true because this is literally their mo is to pretend that everything bad in the world that you know people that they're you know in in affiliation with is is disinformation or is promoted by bad faith sources to stoke dissension about like actual fucking things like it's just yeah well oh, it, you know yeah 70 60 70 years ago everyone was saying that you know interracial marriage was communism 
you know, that right. uh, ending segregation was Russian propaganda. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's like, if all you have to do to be propaganda is, like, point out a thing that really happened, uh, <laughs> and now we have this this practice where Twitter is now uh, labeling anybody who's a journalist in China or Russia as state-affiliated affili- state media. Right. Right. Whether they're affiliated with the state or not, just the fact that you are Russian makes you state affiliated media now. Right. Like that's hilarious. <laughs> like uh, you, you think there's not independent media in China and Russia that, right. that there's not private corporations that also do media. Like, yes, there is state affiliated media in both those countries, the same way that we have state affiliated media. There's yeah, also we just call it the mainstream media. Right. There's <laughs> also for profit media in all three of those countries. Right. And, and there's also independent media, nonprofit media in all those countries. Now, there are different rules about what you can and can't say in all of our countries, right? Like you you yes, you you can criticize lots of things, but you can't directly criticize the Communist Party. That's it, just not acceptable in China. And everyone knows that, right? I mean, there there are certain quibbles, right? There are still protests there. Like it's the idea that like, you know, that there's no protesting in China after Tiananmen Square is ridiculous. There, there's been land disputes between farmers and the government for decades where there have been massive protests. Like the, the, the notion that like that there's no dissent in Russia or China amongst the people against the government is just absurd. Of course there is. There is everywhere. Tiananmen Square too is so funny to me because they they hold it up as this moment of like, oh well the the, the you know this Chinese totalitarianism like you, if if an American stood in front of a fucking American soldier in a tank, they would have mowed that motherfucker down. The fact that like they get out <laughs> and like just let him stand there, like it's well, like they we always show the picture of the guy standing in front of the tanks, but right. we never show the footage of like the tank like turning and going out of its way to move around him. Right, like not trying in to America, mow him. they would have just fucking brain him over and crushed him to death. <laughs> right. And, and yes, the actual massacre was horrific. I mean, nobody should shy away from that. It, it was upwards of two thousand people that were killed, right? right? That that's that is not a good thing in any country for any reason, right? And I think people lose sight of that too. Uh, uh, just the the notion that you know, if if we're pro communist, we're going to ignore authoritarian authoritarian shit like that. Um, no, that was terrible. That was awful. No, and, I mean, we talked about how there, even within like the good, the good portions of the USSR, there were factions. You know, obviously the Trotskyists and the Leninists. Like, there's, you know, there, there's always going to be, you know, people just have their own agendas and their own beliefs. And like when you, you know, people forget how how relatively short the the lifespan of the USSR was. I mean, it really, you know, w- was a world power for like less than. 40 years, 50 years. I mean, like major world power for less than 40 years. I mean, and, and the shit they were able to accomplish in that time frame. but even like within that little span, there were even just the first five years. I mean, the, the, what they were able to accomplish in the first five years was extraordinary. And right. we've talked about this before, but everyone's like, Oh, all these people starved under communism. Like, no, they were starving under the czars. The Soviet right. revolution happened because of starvation. You right. don't get, you know, millions of people to rise up and take over the train stations and the post office and, and the roads if they're well fed. 
they just people just don't <laughs> right. right they have to they have some they have nothing else to lose and most of that starvation was uh after world war one right and it was happening throughout europe there was starvation happening mm-hmm. and the big goal of Lenin was industrialization, was to build roads so they could get food aid out to the people who were starving. Because at the time, they didn't have railways and roads that went everywhere to get to every right. person. So, yeah, and, and and we talked about this too, that you know, even in those first five years, they were still struggling. And it got so bad that Lenin even accepted food aid from the United States. Like right. it was, it was like, it wasn't, I mean, at first he was kind of mistrusting, but then was like, okay, I'm not going to let my people starve. So yeah, even our adversary, the U S uh, I, I will take help from you. Right. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the idea that it was some kind of draconian thing and yeah, they killed the whole fucking Romanov family, but you know, fucking it, one gets away and then comes back years later. You never know. You got to get them all. I guess. Right. But, right. <laughs> You know, but we constantly hear about that, you know, oh, the rich family that got killed. But like we never hear about the millions of people who were starving under their rule. Right. Like it's right. it's always like every if you go on Netflix right now, I guarantee there's like 15 documentaries on Netflix about the Romanov family getting fucking killed in the basement. Right. And and oh, woe is them. And they killed the children, too. And there's no documentaries on Netflix about like the suffering of regular working class people under the czars there's none of that you know i mean you know what happens when you when you don't kill like the entire family of a fascist when you take over is that they then go on to be to be like the the person on twitter who's like mussolini's fucking granddaughter who like yells at jim carrey for posting <laughs> they get a show on the view hanging upside down they, it, fucking anna navarro right, gets or on the, the view right or the contra daughter gets gets a fucking national television show where she gets to express her shitty right-wing opinions uh yeah yeah just oh god um all right well on that note i think we hit what we wanted to hit today um i got all that or most of what i wanted to read i got a little few more paragraphs to that article but i think the point was made so fuck it right um yeah so uh you know if you want to help support the show rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts follow us on soundcloud soundcloud.com slash move left facebook.com slash move left idiots uh, patreon.com slash move left i am on twitter at move underscore left uh yeah i'm on twitter buck slutty and uh go check out our facebook page i've been inciting some very uh lively discussion by just i, I posted a tweet of somebody else who said that they're going to start blocking everyone with a fucking ukraine flag because this shit has gotten ridiculous. yeah and it, it, literally everybody who replied like proved her point they're like oh so when did the left start supporting putin it's like it, like literally that kind of fucking logic that response is the reason why you're getting blocked because right. you don't fucking understand things and you think that just like the non-stop fucking nato propaganda if you don't like that 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 automatically automatically means you support russia and putin no that's i mean it's, it's literally anyway go check out the comments jump in there have some fun, boost our algorithm, and buy some fucking t-shirts. Right. Yeah, we'll see you next week.